pardon me, sir, can I ask you to participate in a taste test? Yeah, I, I suppose I can. Wonderful. Am I correct in assuming that you enjoy a good cola every now and then? I enjoy a good soda on a hot day. Why, there was nothing I'd love better as a kid than an ice-cold bottle of Coca-Cola when me and my buddies. Well, sir, in front of you we have three cola samples. Please taste each one, giving your opinion after each sample. All right, I can do that. Well, let's see here, soda A. Mm, well, well, that's good. I, I think I can tell you what that one is right away. I know my favorite when I taste it. All right, soda B. Mm. Oh, that sure is sweet. Mm. Yeah, that is pretty good. Tastes better than the first one. Soda C. Uh, oh boy, that's delicious. That is great. I never had that drink before. That's a winner. Wonderful, sir. So you would choose sample C. Let me review the samples and see if it meets your expectations. Sample A is Coca-Cola, which you seem to recognize right away. Sample B was Pepsi, which you found more enjoyable than Coca-Cola. And sample C is a new cola formulation. By your reaction, I'm sure you will be glad to hear that it will be the new flavor of Coke. What? Why in good lord's name would you mess with Coca-Cola? Is this some kind of joke? Why, Coke is an American as apple pie. You want to just destroy my childhood? You think this is some kind of joke? What moron business executive thought this one up? This is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I'm not participating in this foolishness anymore. I can't believe that Coca-Cola would do something like that. I must have been taken over by communists. They'll hear about this from me. I'm calling my congressman. I'm not buying any new... Well, <laughs> there you have it. Our taste test shows that new Coke is the best drink you will hate to love. At least, that's what I hear. Sometimes our imaginations are captured by the possibility of alternative explanations. Join me as we explore the historical events and public state of mind that influence the appeal and popularity of the most enduring alternative theories out there. I'm Ryan Nelson, and welcome to Conspiracy Theoryology. On this episode, Episode 6, The New Coke Conspiracy, we will discuss why, for some, April 23rd is a day that lives in marketing infamy. What is the real story regarding the real thing? How does the psychology of rumor explain this sparkling frenzy that occurred with the release of New Coke? And will this episode be riddled with soda puns? After the break... We ice down this refreshing rumor and pop the top on the conspiracy of New Coke.
Alright. Howdy, theoriologists. Okay. Fun topic today. New Coke. Now, I guess before we get into this and and summarize the conspiracy, you know, why New Coke? Well, it was kind of fun. And, you know, I'm a soda drinker. I think most of us are. I think a lot of us are. And this was a perfect example as I was sitting down trying to think of topics that would show uh, a situation that I've seen with a lot of these discussions, and, and that's the problem of, of rumor coming in and, and affecting how uh, affecting these conspiracy theories and other beliefs and things like that. We've seen it in the past, you know, with some of our discussion regarding, say, Sasquatch, uh, the uh, moon landing conspiracy, and sometimes that pursuit of trying to find a, a hidden truth uh, gets clouded by rumor that pops up. But let's start. Let's start with this uh, this this theory right here and move right into it. Okay. Now the New Coke campaign of the early 1980s uh, was considered one of the biggest marketing failures ever. Or was it? Well, it, it's really not. Uh, it is in fact one of the most brilliant and immoral marketing strategies in history. This is all true. Just look at any can of Coke. In the 1980s, when Coke declared that it would change its formula, it was actually a huge scam to save Coke money. You see, the Coca-Cola Corporation never dreamed that people would like new Coke. What they wanted was to release a substitute Coke product with a noticeably different taste. They would keep this on the market until all of the old Coke was sold and people couldn't get it anymore. Eventually... Coke company claimed, quite rightly, that people missed the old Coke and demanded its return. As a consequence, Coke vowed to re-release the original Coke as Coca-Cola Classic. They never did. What they did was bring back the original recipe, but with a significantly cheaper corn syrup sweetener instead of sugar. Everyone would have noticed this if they had just made the switch directly. Coke would have been forced to return to the original, more expensive product. But since classic Coke tasted passably similar to old Coke, people just assumed it was the same, since no one had had, had any of the original in so long. On top of this, they now have a wonderful brand labeling of Coca-Cola Classic, which elicited a nostalgic response and again tying this new formulation to past memories. Now, there you go. That's the conspiracy in short. Essentially, eh, they only did it to change the formula, introduce high fructose corn syrup into the drink and uh, get rid of the sugar formula. It was simply a cost-saving measure, but it was brilliantly executed to uh, to cause the uproar. Now, we can move right into the, the background and the origin on this. Uh, now, I pulled this straight from the Coca-Cola website to get the actual story of the real thing. Now, the story of New Coke is it's widely recalled, but the, the context is, is really often forgotten, according to Coca-Cola. In 1985, the company shared uh, the, their shares uh, lead over their chief competitor, PepsiCo, uh, in its flagship market, 
with its flagship product, had been slipping for upwards of 15 years. The cola category in general was was lagging. Uh, consumer preference for Coca-Cola was dipping, and so was consumer awareness. Uh, that really changed in the summer of 1985 uh, with the consumer outcry over New Coke. And uh, the, the fabled secret formula for Coca-Cola was changed then. It was a, a, adopting a formula preferred in taste tests of nearly 200,000 consumers. Now, what these blind taste tests didn't show, of course, was the bond that consumers felt with Coca-Cola, something they didn't want anyone, including the Coca-Cola company, tampering with. You know, the events of the spring and summer in 85, with pundits blasting the uh, over over the news and airways marketing blunder of the century, consumers started hoarding old Coke with calls of protests by the thousand, the, the thousands changed forever the Coca-Cola company's marketing strategy and thinking. And honestly, it affected more than just Coca-Cola. It affected marketing in general. You know, even at the 10-year anniversary celebration the uh, then uh, president of the company characterized the new Coke decision as a prime example of taking intelligent risks. He urged all employees, employees to take intelligent risks in their jobs, saying it was critical to the company's success. Uh, many of the employees there had worked for the company in 85 and remembered the thousands of calls and consumer complaints. Now, this intelligent risk, though, amounted to calls flooding in, uh, not just to the 800-get-Coke phone line, but to the Coca-Cola offices all across the country. By June of 85, uh, the Coca-Cola company was getting 1,500 calls a day on its consumer hotline, compared with uh, 400 uh, the day before the, the taste changed. I mean, people seemed to hold any Coca-Cola employee from security officers to uh, people answering the phone, uh, you know, their neighbors who worked for Coke, personally responsible for the change. Mr. Grazetta received a letter addressed to Chief Dodo of the Coca-Cola company. Uh, and, uh, you know, another person wrote to him asking for his autograph because in years to come, the signature must, uh, for one of the dumbest executives in American business history, eventually be worth a fortune. Well, when the taste change was announced, consumers panicked. I mean, filling their basements with cases of Coke. There was a, there was a story about a man in San Antonio that drove to a local bottler and bought $1,000 worth of Coca-Cola. You know, some, some people got depressed over the loss of their favorite drink. You know, suddenly everybody was talking about Coca-Cola, realizing what an important role it had played in their life. Uh, there were protest groups. Uh, there, uh, a, a group known as the Society for the Preservation of the Real Thing and Old Cola Drinkers of America, which claimed to have recruited about 100,000 people in a drive to bring back, quote-unquote, old Coke. 
popped up around the country. Songs were written to honor the old taste. Protesters at a Coca-Cola event in downtown Atlanta in May carried signs with, We want the real thing, and our children will never know refreshment. So, of course, with this culmination, everything, we get to the return of the classic. You know, when the announcement of the return of old Coca-Cola was made in July of 1985, those people hoarding as many as 900 bottles in their basements could could stop their self-imposed rationing and begin to drink the product that they always had, you know, as often as they liked. That July day, the the uh, story goes on, uh, that old Coca-Cola was returning to store shelves as Coca-Cola Classic. It led two network newscasts and made the front page of virtually every major newspaper. Consumers applauded the decision, and in just two days after the announcement of Coca-Cola Classic, the company received 31,000 telephone calls on the hotline. Coca-Cola obviously was it was more than just a drink. I mean, it had become uh, an, a piece of, of Americana, right? A, a part of cultural identity. Coke Classic was sold alongside the new Coke, and the two brands had distinct advertising campaigns um, with a youthful leading edge catch the wave campaign for the new taste and an emotional red white and you for coca-cola classic later the name of the new taste of of the the new coke was changed to coke 2 and uh, eventually the product wasn't available any longer in the united states um I mean, it, this this is summarized by saying that the events of, of 1985 changed forever the dynamics of the soft drink industry. And, and it changed the success of the Coca-Cola company. As the Coca-Cola brand soared to new heights of success and consumers continued to remember the love that they had for Coca-Cola. Now, I can relay this. Perhaps I didn't relay it as dramatically, but... I don't really drink Coke. Um, now, that's, you've heard the conspiracy and then you hear the real background of it. And, and, I, and I, I pulled this straight from the Coke site. So, you know, they put a very positive spin on the story and it's almost a, uh, gosh, you know, look what happened to us. Oh, geez, scenario to it. Um, in truth, of course, there was some major backlash. But but before we, we get into some of that and, and how that parallels, let's, Let's look into the theoryology and move into that because the the truth is this isn't truly a conspiracy theory. It's, it's a rumor, the rumor about Coke. And I only mentioned one of them, the idea of the, uh, the, the formulation for the sweetener and the motivations behind it. Um, and, and why do I say it's a rumor? Well, let's get into the definition and start with it with defining rumor. Okay. Um, there are four basic qualities of a rumor. Okay. They are information statements. Now we're not talking about opinions that people share. They are meant to be informative. Uh, they are in circulation. 
In other words, if you have your own personal conspiracy theory that the moon isn't real, it's not a rumor if you never tell anyone. They are, thirdly, unverified. And this is key. If I'm at a high school reunion and I try to spread news that a couple just had a baby, it's not a rumor if that very couple has posted baby pictures to Facebook. You know, yes, it's information and it's in circulation, but since it's been definitively verified as true, it's not technically a rumor. And finally, the rumors are instrumentally relevant. Okay, they answer questions that people want answered because they feel important or significant. If there's a rumor uh, that there's a layoff going on at your office, that's instrumentally relevant because the information impacts your life. Okay, so it, some have, have called rumor spreading a, a, a group sense-making activity because they serve to help people understand an ambiguous situation. Well, and of course, of course this Coke rollout certainly was an ambiguous situation. Now, let's discuss a bit of the psychology of why people spread rumors. Now that we've defined it, you know, if if, uh, if you've been, as you're hearing this, the, the primary function of a rumor is to make sense of something that's already unclear. Rumors help explain a, a confusing element of the world. This confusion opens the door to rumors, which people can hold on to in order to give them at least some idea about why things are working in the way that they are. Uh, and And... There are certain things, so let's let's step through some of the keys about why they are. And I've got uh, what six parts here. Uh, one, people spread rumor when there's uncertainty. Uh, it's when they don't already have a firm grasp on how or why things are happening in the world that rumors start to spread. If you can imagine uh, being in in school, grade school again. Imagine what would happen if one day out of the blue, one of the classmates just stopped coming to school. You know, there's a ton of uncertainty there. And eventually, uh, and probably a rumor would develop and spread as a way to handle the situation. I mean, I've got a perfect example of that. As a kid, I was in an accident. I was out of school. I, I wasn't back in school for a month, maybe six weeks. By the time I got back to school... I started hearing rumors about how I was dead, you know? And uh, so, I mean, that happens. Uh, now, two, people spread rumors when they feel anxiety. Oftentimes, uncertainty breeds anxiety. We like to have a clear sense of the world, and we get anxious when we feel uncertainty. And anxiety on its own has been linked to rumor spreading. Uh, some research has shown that uh, more anxious people tend to be uh, are the ones that are more likely to spread rumors. Uh, to expand on that a little bit, uh, research has shown that dread rumors, rumors that something bad is going to happen, actually spread more than wish rumors, rumors that something good is going to happen. Uh, this is the case for both rumors spread online and for rumors spread in person. So you are more likely to hear a rumor about something bad that has or will happen as opposed to something positive. Now, three, people spread rumors when the information is important. 
as much as you might be dying to talk about a rumor that you heard uh, about the company you work for, I don't necessarily care a ton about that. The reason is that it's just not that relevant to me. On the other hand, I'd, I'd, be, I'd love to talk about some other rumor that's more important to me. Um, and so looking at that, you know, across a whole bunch of studies, people are more likely to spread rumors when the information is important to them. Let's look back at Coke. We're talking about ah, any soft drink. I mean, we love our soft drinks. We're attached to them. They are a part of our weekends. They're a part of our uh, watching the latest football game. They're a part of getting together with friends. They help define our childhood. They help uh, get us through the day. Uh, you know, a cold drink is there as we're commuting home from work or school. That's vastly important, the idea that something is just going to disappear. So, of course, a rumor like that spreads drastically. Now, number four, people spread rumor when they believe the information. I mean, if you hear a rumor that you think is completely ridiculous, you probably won't find yourself out to spread that information far and wide. You might take it as a, as a funny trivia, but, you know... You just dismiss it. You're not going to talk about it. You think it's ridiculous. You're not going to do anything with it. Um, if if the rumors are more believable, they end up spreading the most. Now, because there is this, you know, tidbit of truth that 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 plays with this whole Coke uh, conspiracy rumor. You know, they did. They did market. They reformulated the drink. They did market it out there. Um, and when it was reintroduced, there was a huge boon for, you know, there was a huge success, a huge marketing success, although completely unintended on, on how it played out. And so, uh, according to the story, I mean, it makes no sense that they, that their approach failed completely. And yet, and yet Coke succeeded. And so for that to make sense, it, it sounds pretty plausible that the whole approach all along was to you know, dupe the Coca-Cola fans. Now, number five, people spread rumors when it helps their self-image. Now, this is getting into a little bit of the sociology of the sodas, you know, of soda drinking and, and, and the way these sodas and pops play. In, in society, plenty of research has shown that people often want to feel good about themselves, but one way people can do that is through rumor spreading. There are a couple of reasons this can happen. One is that spreading a rumor positions you as someone who is clued into what's going on in the world. People might then come to you as the one who's especially informed. Another way rumor spreading can boost self-esteem is when the rumor is about another group. Other research has shown that putting down other groups can boost people's self-esteem. Lots of rumors, it turns out, are about a group's uh, opposing group. These have been called wedge rumors and serve to reinforce intergroup differences. I mean, these clearly can boost self-regarding uh, by elevating one's own group about a rival other group. Okay, now, before that sounds 
too crazy. <laughs> think about sodas. Think about Coca-Cola. Let's think about Pepsi. Um, you know, that, and go back to being a teenager, go back to being a, a, a kid and realizing that when you hung out with friends and whatever drink you drink, you hang out with people and you'll all get into thinking this is, this is cool. This is what we're drinking. You know, that's what, that's what the adults drink. That's what parents drink. That's what another group drinks. And funny enough, quite an, a, a social identity forms around, around these sodas. And, um, that was especially true with Coca-Cola. I mean, this had become ingrained in, in the, the popular psyche. Uh, so, so really that this self edge, I mean, you can imagine people long after this thing is over and done with, uh, you're sitting down and you're drinking a, you see someone with a Coca-Cola classic, you're a Pepsi fan. The first thing you're going to do is go out and tell them the story about how, you know, the origin of their drink is based entirely on a scam, you know, and a, and a marketing lie. Uh, probably gets a good laugh from your friends, good chuckle, and, uh, you know, you move on there and you look a lot cooler. At least it, that's how it always played out when I was when I was in school, you know. Now, finally, number six in terms of how uh, people spread rumors. People spread rumor when it helps their social status. Now, this sounds like a lot like reason number five, but there's a there's a slightly subtle difference. Reason five was that people feel better about themselves when they help spread rumors. And there's a little more to it, you know, which is that people can use rumor to strengthen their social ties. Want to be accepted by a group? Pass along some rumors about their rival group. Uh, There's actually evidence for this that can be seen in studies where people tell different rumors depending on the person they're telling them to. Specifically, the question uh, in a a study was whether people would pass along a rumor that one school group's ranking had decreased or whether they'd pass along rumor that the group's ranking increased. The results showed that it, it depended on who would be receiving the rumor. If it was someone who was part of the group, people were more likely to spread a positive rumor. If it was someone who was part of a rival group, well, then people were more likely to spread the negative rumor. The point is that people spread rumors strategically to gain the respect of others. Well, there you go. So if if nothing else, the rumor about the Coke marketing scam could have been something out there that that uh, any Pepsi employee would want to start talking about. Why is the rival group? And if you walk up to someone that's that's drinking Coca-Cola or you walk up to someone that's drinking a Pepsi or anything else, maybe that rumor comes up, maybe it doesn't. The point is that this as an example, is there to uh, to elevate a, a, a one's standing in a social group, um, and that's interesting because we can ah, we could take that forward, and I'm sure we will in even later discussions and topics, you know, throughout this show, uh, where where we see situations of rumor uh, that may come up and how they ended up playing a part in, in a social hierarchy, uh, even if it was a very niche, uh, social group. Now 
we've gotten that out of the way. I mean, we've talked about rumor and, and, and gone into that and then the components of rumor. And you can see it's made up of, of that, those four parts of, of rumor, which here, let's go ahead and, and review again. Remember, they're informative statements in circulation that are unverified and they're instrumentally relevant, right? They, they're informative. They're actually being spread. They're not proven. Uh, and they uh, are significant or important to people. And that's how, that's how rumors propagate and spread. So let's look at the endurance test, getting back to the specific Coca-Cola conspiracy. You know, is this, let's start with how long has it been around? Oh, 30 plus years. But this really had its largest, largest circulation, I think, through the late 80s and early 90s and through the 1990s. Uh, the reason it's, it's, it's not is that they, they no longer use the Coca-Cola classic label. Number two, as it, has it had a large influence in popular culture and media? Well, it was influential in large part because of the recognizable aspect of sodas in, in product placement and advertising. I mean, I suspect that the rumor was more prevalent among a younger demographic than, that were not familiar with the original rollout of New Coke in 85, but are very familiar with Coca-Cola classic marketing. And three isn't relevant today. Uh, like we touched on, not so much now. Coca-Cola discontinued the use of the classic in their labeling in 2009. So young consumers no longer have a label identifying the drink as a classic, thus encouraging the question of why. You know, what's what was classic about Coke and was there some other version? And again, Coke 2, the, the new cork formula, isn't available in the U.S., so they don't see there's nothing to compare to. Now, will it continue to capture public imagination going forward? Eh, the rumor will die out. Chances are some of our listeners aren't even familiar with, with it. Um, you know, Ardent fans of Coca-Cola are going to find it fun trivia to use at parties and among friends, but the soda market has changed drastically in the last 30 years. The real impact actually for this can be found in the change in marketing approach since this debacle. Uh, there's drinks don't change formula. Drinks are, are reintroduced. Their new formulas are labeled. They're put out there and they don't touch the original thing. I mean, I think that's partly why there are so many choices and options out there, uh, because you don't go through and you don't mess with it. I mean, how many of us have looked now on, on any product and seen, even if the labeling, even if they've decided to update the marketing, it's new look, same great taste. I think a lot of that comes from this right here. It's that they got so, the, the new consumers now would be so wary of something new being an abandonment of what was so important to them that they just had to, they just, you know, they have to make sure they call it out. Now, we haven't touched it. We haven't changed the flavor. We haven't changed what you love. We just, uh, you know, put a new shinier label on it. So, that's that. I mean, let's move into the summary and the verdict. You know, you may be wondering why we spent an episode discussing a rumor when we're supposed to be exploring 
conspiracy and, and alternative theories. Well, the topic of rumor uh, is something I consider foundational in exploring the, the popularity of theories that we will discuss in the future. Just like all of the these previous early episodes in the show, you know, this is this is a foundational discussion that's going to come up again and again and affect our discussions for any future topics. The term conspiracy theory has, has come to be used by many as a dismissive. Um, and much of that may come from the fact that many rumors and urban legends often get labeled as conspiracy theories. This misrepresentation or even just a misunderstanding of the alternative ideas muddies the discussion of the theories that are trying to find, explore, or expose a truth. And rumors get blended into the conversations that have no real purpose other than to promote the rumor itself. Now, again, there's a difference between rumor and conspiracy theory. We discussed the basis of the rumor, and as a reminder, a conspiracy theory has has also four elements. I mean, it's it's defined by a group of people acting in secret to alter an institution or hide truth or gain utility for at the expense of the common good. So there's your four elements. Now that sounds a lot like the rumor, but but rumors aren't aren't necessarily defined. In in this case, and this is why it sounds like a conspiracy, I mean, you could label that. You could look at a group of people, the Coca-Cola company, acting in secret, not telling anybody, to alter institutions, the institution of Coca-Cola and hide truth that they wanted to change the sweetener in there to save cost at the expense of the common good. People wouldn't like it all of us drinking soda and, and colas. So it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but but it actually worked more like a rumor. It, it, it flowed more properly like that. I mean, they were informative statements. Coca-Cola intentionally released new Coke as a means of distracting the public, getting old Coke off of the market and unavailable, and preparing it for uh, a re-release with a new formulation that tasted more like the old soda. And it was in circulation. Since the colas are are consumed by everybody, and everybody drinks it, it was in circulation all over. Everybody talked about it. They were unverified. Eh. They were unverified in the sense that most of the people talking about it didn't bother to pay attention to the news. And it was actually years later, after the whole event occurred, this short window of time when when this happened, this rollout and the subsequent re-rollout of Coca-Cola Classic was actually in a very small window. I mean, it was like three months. But it took them years to sit down and and ultimately figure out what went wrong. Uh, and 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 then finally, you know, it was instrumentally relevant because the the information impacted everybody's memory. People tied Coca Cola to 
their history, their I their family history, their childhood, their American past. Uh, I mean, they and and of course, Coca Cola. If you're not familiar, is is based in Atlanta, and this was extremely this this blowback was extremely uh, prevalent in the South, where of course it was more of a staple. I mean, this was this was part of the the identity in in the South. It still is. Coca Cola is still very much uh, identified, uh, though though they have also taken a much more global uh, branding and identity um, that has been very successful. You know, there is there is a difference between conspiracy theory and rumor, and it's often subtle enough to confuse the two. As we continue with topics in the future, I'm going to be quick to call a spade a spade and separate the rumor from real conspiracy theory and alternative belief. Now, as for the new Coke theory, I think we can safely score this as a brilliantly ill-conceived marketing approach to revitalize a brand. Regardless of the failure of the reformulation, the news buzz worked, and Coke took back its marketing share. You can check out the new Coke Wikipedia page for a full history and aftermath of the whole incident. It actually goes into it in detail um, and covers everything, such that I didn't feel the need to just regurgitate it all here. But, you know, partly because I prefer to remember all the great discussions I had with people as a teenager, discussing the rumor as fact. You know, I'm in Texas. We drink Dr. Pepper here. I enjoyed finding anything that made either the Coke or the Pepsi drinkers feel bad. And maybe I just made this entire episode just to rub it in that my favorite drink is better than theirs. You know, you can actually start to spread that rumor. It's okay. It will make you sound cool. Okay, that is all for today. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, if you like what you hear, go ahead and hit that follow button so that you don't miss the discussion. Connect with me via email at contact at conspiracytheoryology.com. Like the show at facebook.com slash theoryologypodcast. Find me on Twitter at theoryologypod or Hey, I would love it if uh, you would rate and review on iTunes. You know, anything helps to get to get this out. All of the info can be found at the show website, conspiracytheoryology.com. And of course, music is by Adam Henry Garcia. You know, if you like what you're hearing, whether the intro the, the, the or this the closing music, I mean, this is cool stuff. And... Adam's music can be found at adamhenrygarcia.bandcamp.com. And I'm going to remind you every time because it's just cool. Now I'll see you again in two weeks when we'll tackle another theory and make sense of the public popularity. So until next time, remember, beyond the conspiracy and behind the belief lies the theoryology.